<sighs> Good morning. Um, Doc Scott again for my revival talk. Well, that was fun. Um, it's always good to try to lose your voice during prayer. Um, I find I do it pretty well. Been drinking this now for days and ain't I'm not any smarter. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, got time. Oh, by the way, um, bring, bring. This is um, Jamie's official wake up time. So I'm the alarm clock at seven. It's about 7.02. Um, interesting. It's always interesting in the context of praying, like which direction it goes. I can honestly say that I don't know the direction of anything that I do. Um, that's called embracing the disorientation at its fullest. And I am becoming less dignified by the moment. So Jamie will be happy. And, um, but as Verdana says, I'm not even trying to become undignified. I'm just letting it happen. So see, there's no striving, even in being undignified. And so the best is yet to come. You just don't know how good it can get, right? 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 It's interesting that, um, like I said, the direction, and I think it's kind of indicative of one of the things that God's doing in this era is... You know, we talked a lot about, you know, the, the, small, the still small voice of the Lord and how that voice, as still and small, as clear though as it is, the Lord said to me recently, is, has the same power as my voice when it booms through thunder. In other words, it'll accomplish the same. And he's training us and preparing us to live in the grand disorientation, to live in that place where <clears throat> we're just really dependent, where our programs, um, et cetera, et cetera, um, aren't working, where all the stuff that we're doing, so everything that, w that worked in the last era, it really does have to be completely redrawn and a new slate um, put out there. Because like I was saying yesterday a little bit on was, you know, the history of revival, which we're going to talk about at different parts along the way here, because I think it is important to know the history and to see how God moved. It shows us something of God's ways. It shows us um, ways that he moved. It'll show us characteristics of revival on every level, on personal, on corporate um, level, and in entities or specialized groups like you know when you saw the jesus movement the hippies and it and it kind of shows us a picture of what god also does like when jamie says when he changes everything simultaneously so and how a culture literally becomes transformed and the very righteousness of a culture begins to emerge and things begin to flip on a dime and it shows us the, the workings of Holy Spirit and what he does when he comes. But I think the place that is going to be interesting in this revival is there is going to be places that will not be, um, there isn't going to be a hallmark that we can relate it to in many places in the past. Sorry, in other words, some of the things that God does in this one are going to break every box and they're going to be unprecedented and they're not going to be something that we've seen before. 
this is very unique and very different. And I think there's a degree of intentionality um, with the Holy Spirit in that, that it, it's like we're not going to be able to rely. If you're looking to any part of that old wineskin, any part of that religion, any part of any attempt that you have to want to try to control it and box it, I don't think it's going to happen. Because as soon as you try to box it, it's going to move. And I think he's preeminently setting the stage for him being in charge. And we will have to come into him in order to participate. And that disorientation that he maintains with us is not a bad thing. It's a holy chaos. It's a holy chaos, as Jamie says. Um, I gave you a little credit. So, but it's a holy chaos. It's very ordered. It's very interesting how God, you know, it's like walking into a classroom of third graders and the place is like in a roar. When the principal walks in, they think, oh my gosh, what's going on in here? But to the one that's in the room with the kids, that teacher knows everything that's going on in the room. They could tell you who's doing what, what they're working on, who doesn't, who knows what, who doesn't know what, who is being helped right now. They could tell you everything. So when you look at it with one eye, it looks like something that is a total disaster. But there is an order and a continuity, and there is something very holy and designed by, the, by heaven in the chaos. And it's that holy design and the thing that is actually holy in it that we're kind of latching onto. So that in the middle of that, we are, we literally, we have to hear and we become dependent upon revelation in ways that we have it before. And I think that's where the breakdown comes in terms of we've walked a lot by our own fire and I'd call our own fire our program. We've walked a lot by our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. If you got one of those, go ahead right now and find it and rip it up. Oh, if you have a one-year plan, go ahead and rip that up too. If you have a tomorrow plan, <laughs> scratch it. I'm being really serious. We don't know what tomorrow brings and every day is going to be an adventure and a wild ride in this revival. And so don't even think about your five-year plan. Think about what I'm going to do today, tomorrow, this week. What can we do? In other words, I mean, it's not that Jesus isn't going to release heavenly strategies on how to, how to host a habitation. He will. He does that. But we're going to host it dependent. Habitation, revelation, and dependent. I had a couple things I wanted to read from this book here, New Era of Glory. As you can tell, I kind of like this by Tim Sheets. He says, we talked a lot about convergence. He says, you guys are going to get rocked when you hear this. this you know, a lot of this, I, I jokingly say that he must be prophetic because he reads my mind. And um, that's my joke of the day about prophetic people that we are. But what it does do is it does tell us, 
You know, like for example, when Jamie's thinking what I'm thinking, I realize he's prophetic, right? By the way, he's my local pastor here at The Remnant and that's why I pick on him all the time. For those of you that are in Texas or whatever and don't know, he says all the prayers are coming together. The prophetic words and the decrees of faith from long ago are coming together like a battering ram opening doors to a new season. I don't know about you, that gives me a lot of hope because some of the disappointment for me and the reason it took me a little while to get reseated or to get in my seat for the first time really was because I got discouraged during the years that we were contending hard for revival and it didn't meet my timeline. And so um, I kind of got discouraged in that. But what he's saying in this, again, is that nothing is wasted. He says, they have prepared us to rise up and define this moment. Strategies of good warfare are providing pathways to victory after victory after victory. We are contending no longer from disappointment. This is Scott. But we are contending from a place of victory. And that is what will define and be a hallmark of this revival. We will contend from a place of the offensive. This is, this is Jesus gathering, having every part, every age and every tribe converge. And when that happens, it is literally like an atomic bomb of Holy Ghost presence is released. It's like a, a, an atom bomb of revival that gets released because it's the convergence of everything that preceded us. Think about that. He says we're fighting to engage in victories, not just to survive. We are not in survival mode. We are in obtaining mode. I, I think I'm going to get drunk again. <sighs> it's time to obtain the victories. This era is going to be marked by a church that is triumphant and moving in victory. Can we agree that that has not been our history? So already we cannot define this revival by our history. We can learn, but we can't define the world has never seen anything quite like the New Testament church that's going to arise. The prayers, the all-nighters, the tears, the intercession, the Lord says, are coming together now. That was all part of a word that um, a prophet gave my wife and I five years ago. He used pretty much those things. He talked about all of the tears and all of the things that have been poured out are going to become like incense poured over the region. Let you know that it's a tipping point. The identity of the New Testament church is entering a destiny change to represent Christ and his kingdom government as intended. Governmental is a big part of this revival. The establishment of um, his rule and reign and governmental authority and the authority, governmental authority of the believer on the planet. That changes everything and I'll tell you why. I don't know a lot about it as much. My wife knows more about governmental stuff. But think about it this way. If we know that the courts of heaven and the government of heaven is the very thing that changes something on the earth, 
what happens when something gets changed in the heavens for a victory on earth that changes an outcome, that changes an election, that changes a country and the direction they go, that changes something, meaning the ecclesia, the church, is now going to be the governing and ruling entity on the planet. It's that restoring to initial intent. We were always made to have dominion and rule. We haven't known how to do that. But in this hour, in this era of the church, governmental authority is being restored. And we're, we're not going to be sitting by saying, oh, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that hurricane to hit the eastern seaboard. No, we'll be in those places, in the heavenly places, and making decisions with the host of heaven and the courts of heaven, and we will determine what that thing does or doesn't do. It happens now, but it's, it's, it's going to happen on such a big scale. It's kind of crazy. He says, um, we're entering a supernatural era, the most supernatural era that the kingdom of God has ever had on earth. We are pregnant with promise that are being birthed, this is the era of open doors for miracles and the completion of miracles that we've been standing for. You know, when you're contending from disappointment like I was for many years, you know, when I heard the song, he's in the waiting, he's in the waiting, it kind of elicited some kind of sarcastic, you know, like, yeah, he's in the waiting, all right. And um, for years, I didn't even want to look at the prophetic forecast for the new year. Is it a sign of the same every year? It sounds cheesy to say it this way, um, but this really is the year. This really is the moment for this and that everything that we're looking at right now, because God is leading us through rhema word and those rhema words have assignments on them. And so there, this really is the moment where this stuff begins to actually happen. It's the convergence of these, all of these things for such a time as this. This is a pregnant moment, and it's a moment that is an avalanche that's being poured out over the earth right now. He says we're moving into a miraculous movement moment. Many years ago, he said he began to declare this moment. That there would be a moment that moves. It is now intersecting its moment. This book was written in 2019, by the way. I'm not reading something from like 2001. <laughs> And it changes everything. See, he even agrees with you, Jamie. An era, a new era is before us, meaning we must think, act, and engage in a different way. Prophetic words and prophetic dreams are intersecting their moment. The great harvest outpouring, awakening, and reformation promise have intersected their God-prepared moment. If that's not convergence, the ecclesia, of King Jesus have come to its moment, which means you and I have come to our moment. We are the born again ones, sons and daughters of God, but the DNA of our father inside of us to subdue and have dominion on the earth, to disciple, to bind, to loose, to permit, forbid, represent the mighty kingdom of almighty God his seed in us is ready to break forth and ready 
to decree his words, ways, life, authority, and power. This is the supernatural prepared for season when Ecclesia Church finds her voice. We are here to give voice to the will of God on the planet. I'll tell you, in an era that we've been in, where it feels like that the lawlessness in the land is the defining voice. Well, lawlessness is about to shut up because lawlessness says that anything goes. Lawlessness promotes death, killing of babies, everything fluid sexually, everything as base and immoral and immoral as it can be. That's what lawlessness does. Lawlessness also has been standing in our face, mocking us, saying, who are you? You don't have any influence. Lawlessness has also been blaming righteousness for the things that it's doing. So we've lived in this era of blame shift, not taking responsibility, love grown cold, and lawlessness. We knew that that would happen, and it's happening. But here's the good, good report is that Jesus is saying that love is alive and that it's going, love will now conquer lawlessness. The only hope for lawlessness is love. The only hope for anything is a transformed heart. The, the end of racism isn't in a campaign. The end of racism is in a changed heart. Unity that brings streams and tribes together not with the same agenda and everybody has the same identity, but brings them together uniquely with their own identity, but converging on the land and a sole purpose is what happens when love is loosed. And we need to be love. And we're going to see some of the most lawless people we've ever seen flip on a dime and become like Paul on the road to Damascus. He says, we are here to be awakened the conscience of a nation and to shift it back to its covenant roots. And that is another significant thing that happens. What happens to conscience and the reason we become lawless is because our consciences, consciences, our consciences there we go, become dull. If you do, what happens in our culture is we have a line. And as we continue to push the line of immorality out and we embrace more and more and more, a culture doesn't move overnight. It's a progression of going over the next line when we have more violence in movie and we go to the next level of violence, when we go to, um, you know, violent pornography that is violent against women, and that's the thing that sells, by the way. Um, and when we move towards um, detached forms of relating and no communication, and we move towards all the, you know, all of the things that we do in our culture where being unmarried and having sex is the norm, then as that line moves, the conscience of a culture becomes dim. And what becomes the new normal in this era over here is lawlessness. 
and lawlessness has defined this era on the earth. But righteousness is going to define this new era. And so when the people of God in the context of revival are awakened and their consciences are awakened, they begin to look at, they, their heart becomes open to truth. Their heart, in other words, part of what happens in this kind of relative morality, this situational morality, is my morality is defined by my situation. And so that's kind of what rules and reigns in many places right now. You know, morality and conscience are a shifting fluid thing that are defined by what's going on in front of me. And we have trumpeters out here who are pushing the envelope on lawlessness, calling for babies to be killed after they're born. You see, that's what the land looks like. And in every generation, when the land has become that corrupt and the people that corrupt, that's when revival breaks out. So we've, we've already pushed, we've already reached the edge of that. <laughs> we, we're already there. We're about as base as we could get. And we're like on a, you know, we've been on a, a fast track that way. And so awakening is the thing that changes the tide. And so literally what we're going to begin to see is the law of righteousness. And I don't mean law like legalism. We're going to see the law of righteousness established in the land and a turning to God in masses. People will turn to God in mass as they are awakened to love. The only thing that can impact lawlessness is love. Jesus is the hope for the sinner and the Pharisee alike and for the lawless. He's the hope for all. And we're going to see that transformation right in front of our eyes as we are awakened. And he says this, we are here to be God's voice to awaken the conscience of a nation, to shift it back to its covenant um, roots. Everything is always going back to original intent and original covenant root. We can do it. We're prepared to do it. We're authorized to do it. And the Holy Spirit and his angel armies are here to help us get it done. He says some of the things that you're going to identify in this new era, fresh anointings of the Holy Spirit to break out everywhere. It's happening. Fresh movings in Pentecost. Angel activity begins. It's always been here, but it's been kicked up a lot. Prophetic words of apostles and the prophets, they begin, they begin to declare. He says all three are happening. This is an accelerated timetable. We're in, because by the nature of convergence, you don't do convergence without acceleration. Because convergence is this rushing of every stream, of every move, of every age coming together in a cataclysmic explosion. This is collision time. This is the grand collision of eternity. Right here is collision. Everything is colliding at once. And when it does, it is explosive. So Jesus, 
we say collide. Converge, collide, we say let it come. And we ask that we would be at the forefront of your revolution of love on the planet and that will take everyone with us in Jesus' name. Blessings, guys. We'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 for prayer, 7 o'clock for revival talk. It's good as always. Um, let me know what you guys think in your little comments. If you have prayers, whatever, or just declarations you want us to agree with, put them out there in the conversation and we'll do it. Blessings.